1: This is Mike Whiteside, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. Were you born and raised in Toronto? Just outside of Toronto, so it's kind of that old cliche. Whenever you go on vacation, someone's like, where are you from? Everybody's basically an hour from Toronto, unless you're a true city kid. Yeah. Um, but I grew up about uh, a half hour outside of Toronto, a little town. Well, not little town anymore, but a town called Ajax. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. See, when you when you first said little town, I was just like, oh, it's probably gonna be like somewhere in like buttfuck nowhere. fuck <laughs> did not know where it is. No. But when you say Ajax, I'm like, I know some people I went to school with that are from Ajax, and if if you if I show them like, Hey, there was this
1: guy who said, you're a small town. he would be like, excuse me, yeah. but you're not small. And <laughs> no. I'd be like, well, basically take it you know. up with Mike. <laughs> yeah. I, I live in Port Perry now, which is, is a small town and I love it up here. It's a little bit slower. I found Ajax is getting pretty big. I feel like that
0: is how I feel with certain parts of Ottawa where I know when, I know it's different when people say like GTA, the greater Toronto area, mm-hmm. but I read at some point, cause we lived in Orleans for a bit when I was at Carlton yeah. and someone was like, oh, you live in like the greater Ontario area. And I'm like, don't try to make that a thing. I'm like, it's just Orleans. (laughs) It's outside of Ottawa. Yeah. I'm, I'm comfortable with that. But like, if someone's like, oh, you live in like the GOA. I'd be like, no, (laughs) no, I don't. I live in Orleans.
1: Thank you. But I spent quite a bit of time up there. I played uh, hockey in university. So we were up playing Carleton and uh, uh, University of Ottawa there quite a bit. So how,
0: how, how, was the team back then? Or were they like a monster team or were they just kind of like, uh, they're, they're subpar?
1: When I played them, they were actually pretty good. They were okay. a little bit better than you of auto at the time. I believe. I think I'm trying to think of when I played them, if they, I'm, I'm actually pretty certain they went on and not maybe got to the finals. I can't remember, but they had a pretty good team. I remember that. Okay. Do you remember like what year roughly or like what uh, years? I graduated in 2016 Okay. So it would have been like 2012 to 2016. Okay. 2012, 2016. Okay. So I actually would have been, so 2012,
0: 2016, I probably would have just started actually in 2012. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I haven't got, like, I I was never into actually going to see their games, but that would have been interesting if I had to go see a game, like what's the deal with this Mike guy? Like, why is he (laughs) always like, and then it's like, you realize and like, if someone was like, like podcast, past future present. I'd be like mm-hmm. the present be like, yeah, why is he such an asshole? And then like the future <laughs> is just like now easy. He's going to like become a singer and then he's going to be on your show. And I'd be like, shut up future. And then <laughs> it happens. And you're like, Oh God. Um, totally. But, but, but I think that's interesting. Cause you know, when I actually was at Carlton, like obviously basketball was a big thing for them. And then I think it was like, maybe the, I don't know how well it's expanded, but I think it was like my second or last year they started doing, I think it's called like the centennial classic or the battle of like the city. So they, yeah. So it was like university of Ottawa's hockey team versus Carlton's at like TD place. Yeah. And I said, like, it was the first year and I don't know who won, but I was like, all right, like I'm hoping this comes to a place where the same way they treat the basketball where it's like Carlton versus U Ottawa basketball or Mm -hmm. any other sport. It was just kind of chaos. Like they had the Panda game. And that's crazy. And I've never been a part of like anything like that before, but I, I think it's interesting. Cause you don't need to go to the Panda game to know who won. If you just mm-hmm. go on bank street afterwards, you see <laughs> either people in red that are celebrating. And I'm like, okay, Carlton won. Or you see the other team that I guess university of Ottawa has like a, a kind and of maroon. a maroon. Yeah, and yeah. then if you see people in maroon celebrating, you're like, Oh, I guess we lost. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, with your song that came out in February, you had another song, 3 a.m. I like that one, even though it's funny because when I first think of 3AM, I think Matchbox 20. But then when you came out with 3AM, I'm like, okay, that's two 3AM songs that if anyone ever, if someone has a gun to my head and be like, I want you to name two songs with the same title. I'm like, oh, that's easy. Matchbox 20, 3AM, and Mike Whiteside. 3 a.m. And then they'd be like, I have never heard that second one. And then when I go to heaven, I'd be like, damn it, Mike. <laughs> uh, but I think that's, I like both, but I want to ask you, having this new song out like tell me a little bit more about it in terms of how the process came to be Mm -hmm. who you worked with and just the timing of it because i know some artists probably had music from like pandemic and they're like i'm not releasing this yet some people have songs that they wrote in the pandemic and they Mm -hmm. didn't think they were going to be able to write in the pandemic and they did but tell me a little bit more about this song like its title and how it
1: came to be yeah Well, that can be a very loaded question because there is, as you said, a process that kind of opens (laughs) it up into a bunch of different ways. But starting with 3AM, kind of where I began in music was, I'd started writing again. And I always say it started back at a, a, a Kenny Chesney concert back in 2018. And I was there with my ex and her family, and they were always very musical and had always encouraged me to keep that passion alive. And with hockey playing in university, I'd kind of let that, not go to the wayside, but hockey was always my focus and getting my degree and stuff like that. I never imagined, you know, putting my own songs out there. And so yeah. for I always say kind of a blessing in disguise when we had broken up, it allowed me to get back to my true passion, which was music. And uh, I just kind of started looking around and started writing uh, my own songs and started looking for producers and stuff like that. And that's kind of how I came across Mark Schroer and Mark Fintelman. And they were my producers on 3AM. So I had started talking to Mark and Mark had been like, Hey, listen, we're managing. And at the time Robin wasn't signed with Warner or anything like that. And she's like, Hey, listen, we're managing this girl, Robin, she's kick ass. And you know, she has a ton of songs that I think might fit your vibe and maybe what you're looking for. Why don't I shoot some your way? And so I was like, yeah, sure. Cool. So he did that. And one of the songs in the pile was 3am and just going through a breakup myself earlier in the year and, you know, kind of taking a look at some of the songs that she had sent me. It just, it really fit well with what I was going through at the time and what I thought other people might relate to. And I just, I liked the song. It was good. And I wanted to work with Mark and Eric. So that's how that first song really kind of came to be. It was a process of a a few months, me going back and forth with Mark and then finally settling on that song and, and getting into studio. Now, when you mentioned Robin
0: Ottolini, we've actually had, I I, I was going to like mention, okay, we've actually had Robin on an episode and like, I, you know what? It's kind of interesting to see like how far she has come. But I, I, like, again, sometimes when I'm doing the interviews or chatting with people, I'm like, okay, like you mentioned a name or your name drop and you're like, I never heard that person before. And then like three (laughs) years later, you're like, Oh, Oh. same person. (laughs) Okay. So interesting. Cause like, I see sometimes on like Facebook or like even on like Instagram, like when you post something, I noticed on yours, for example, like Parker gray, like stuff, mm-hmm. Lydia, like stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think it's like Olivia Rose page, yep. I think. Uh, and I'm just like funny because I know these people now, mm-hmm. but like two or three years ago, I would not have a clue. I would just be like, oh, yeah, some some person named Parker likes these stuff. Okay. It's like, what does she do? Oh, she's also a singer? Okay. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: but, yeah, it's kind of funny how, like, the window or the circle of, I guess, I think it's like the 10 degrees of separation or whatever yeah. it's called. Like, you find that afterwards. But sometimes that can be helpful, and sometimes you're kind of like – Really? You know this person, too? Oh God, how do you how do you find that person? It's like, oh, I think he's a total douche. It's like, so, same here. I can't believe we're best friends now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I want to ask you, of course, now, like with the 3 a.m. song, I've listened to it and I said I've enjoyed it. I really like your other song as well. Uh, like. Mm-hmm. But I want to ask you a little bit to talk about that as well, because when I first listened to it, judging by the title, and again, I'm one of those people that like relates a song to another song. Mm-hmm. So at first I was thinking like, oh, there's definitely a song by another country artist out there that has like paradise in it. I'm sure there's many, but <laughs> I was thinking one of like back in the nineties. Now it's blanking on my name or blanking right now, but he, I think he toured with Lone Star and sometimes they do Christmas stuff. And I was just like, oh, that kind of reminds me of this song. And then when I listened to yours, I was like, all right, I like it because it just, and not to, obviously it's a compliment, but some people will just be like, why did you say that? It just sounds like the kind of old school kind of country. Like I don't hear, let's put it in, I like these bands too, but I don't hear like the Florida Georgia line element yeah. or like a Luke Bryant element where it's almost like, Hey, I got to try to make this a little bit poppy. I'm like, what's wrong with it just being country. Yeah. Right. So I like that. Uh, but like yeah, explain that, that one to me as well. Like, cause I think you, this is where the Lydia part comes
1: in as well that totally. you worked with her on this yeah and so we'll keep it to that you know however many degrees of separation yeah yeah (laughs) through it's all it's sick and twisted how everybody's connected but literally when i cut that song written by robin i that was when i first started co-writing so my first couple songs that i had co-written 3m i didn't write robin wrote so once I finally started writing my first two songs that I wrote with were with Robin. And I was just like, okay, like this is the writing thing. This is the co-writing thing. Like maybe I'll try some more of it. Yeah. And so I'd seen, she was writing with Lydia and me, the guy that I am, I just reach out. So I was just like, Hey, I so see you're writing with my friend Robin. We should write some time. And that's kind of how it began. And then it you said names like Parker and page and stuff like that. It is the exact same way. It started writing with all these people, but, throughout the last couple years through COVID, which it did allow me to write a lot and get better. And, you know, through the whole process of co-writing, I think you pick up, you know, if you're writing with good writers, which I'm fortunate enough to be able to do, you know, you really get better quicker is the best way to put it. And so I've basically every song that I'm putting out, Lydia is a co-writer on. Uh, She's one (laughs) of my best friends. We were just in Calgary last week because I was out there recording another song. So the song, My Kind of Paradise, was a co write with her, our friend Aaron Pollock, and then our other friend, Rich Cloak. And every time we got into a session together, we were able to come up with something great. So uh, it was just one of those songs where I felt good about it. And I just, I liked it. To me, it was catchy. Every time I listened to the chorus, I was like, okay, I really like this. Like, I listened to the the second time I hear the chorus hit. I'm like, okay, I really like this. I think I want to cut this. And yeah, uh, kind of a long-winded answer there, I know. But um, that's how I got to start writing with them and know all these people and then put out my first song that I was a writer on, which was kind of cool.
0: I think it's interesting because when we were talking to Parker about this, and I think uh, Greg Ryder had mentioned it as well. Like sometimes when you have, I guess it's like these writing sessions or zoom sessions because of the pandemic, like you're kind of going into it and going like, okay, some people go in and go, where do we go from here? Like, what are we writing about? And then I think now I've spoken to Parker and you can attest to this or not, but like, I find she's a very laid back, very honest person. Like it's like, there's not really much of a filter, um, so it. And that's what I kind of find interesting because it's like, I think Greg had mentioned in his kind of conversation that he's like, yeah, he's like, I didn't know what, really what to think when we were doing these things, and she's like, all right, like you know, like I'm kind of sad. Are you sad? And he's like, yeah, I'm kind of sad. And it's like they just went and talked, and there was like no really writing session, like I guess work in mind. It wasn't like thought out or planned out. And then through that, he kind of released uh, Northern lights. And I was like, Oh, that's like the best way to do things. Because if you kind of come in with a plan, yeah, it's helpful, but sometimes it's just like two people just trying to figure out, like pick each other's brain and be like, all right, what do you think of this? Mm-hmm. Oh, you like that? Yeah. Same here. Now, how do we, yeah, I don't like this part of it. Can we work on that? And it's like, all right, cool. But it, it's all sometimes about networking and figuring things out. Like, but I just thought it was interesting. Cause when you mentioned these people that you're working with, Sometimes down the road, if you come out with like, uh, if you're on stage and you bring them up on stage, it's all about sometimes exposure too. so Mm -hmm. I think it goes a long way of networking, but it's something that I I realized when you're older that you look at it. Sometimes you're like, Oh, I don't want to network with that person. And that person (laughs) becomes a little bit more like they're, they're doing the same thing you are and you know, it's going to be helpful down the road, but because you didn't network them at the beginning, it's kind of tougher now.
1: Totally. I, I can, you know, see that. And even in just a short time, uh, being in this industry, uh, obviously you can see, you know, everybody can blow up quite quick. So yeah. Um, for me, it's always just been about, I'm always going to be myself. And we talked about like not having filter. Is I am who I am. And I just try to be a good person. And at the end of the day, that's all you can really do. The other thing I want to mention, too, because I I know kind of
0: going back to your previous answer where you mentioned about like getting back into music and kind of being a blessing in disguise, breaking up with your ex. Like, I want you to kind of rank that. Like, was it hockey one, then your girlfriend, then music? And then somehow where you broke up with her, it was like, (laughs) all right, now I can focus on two things. I can focus on my hockey and my music career. I can only focus on two things. Give me a third (laughs) thing. I can't focus.
1: (laughs) No, I just think that timing wise things happen the way that they're supposed to happen and i don't think it was had anything to do with you know being in a relationship with my ex or not it was just one of those things where being at that concert they looked at me and said hey like you could be doing this this should be up you up on stage and it just always it resonated with me and it sat with me and it was just something where i was like you know what if i'd be happy at the end of my life looking back whatever happens from this if i at least tried it regardless of how successful i am versus not it doesn't matter because at least i went out and i tried something and did something i love and that's that's all i really you know want to do is i would look back i guess let's call it 50 60 years from now and be like you know what i don't have any regrets
0: when you were making this transition because obviously you went to school you're playing hockey you went and got did you did you finish to get your degree
1: yeah. So I finished, I went into financial planning for, I guess, three years. Like it, it was a complete one eighty.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I want to ask you like when mentioning all this, cause like I know I went to Carlton to do communications and I came out with communications, but like in my mind, I want to be in media. I wanted mm-hmm. to be like either in sports media, radio, something like that you could be entertaining, but yep. still be factual. But I don't find like what I'm doing now with podcasting to be that far From what I went to school for. But if someone came up to me one day and said, Brian, like, because I like comedy, I like doing stand up comedy too. But if someone said, Brian, throw your degree away and we're going to start with stand up comedy, I'm like, oh my God, I just feel like I just wasted four years because I just went four years to try to be a broadcaster. And now you're telling me go to comedy, where it's like, I, you, it's kind of like I wasted four years, but you take elements from maybe. communications and be like, all right, like I learned how to either work a crowd or you figured out like, okay, how do I write things? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that can be helpful. But like when you basically did this 180 to go right into music, were there ever moments where you kind of sat down and were like, what am I doing? Or was it just kind of like, all right, this is my passion. Whatever happens, happens. It might be scary, but at least I can look back after and say, I did give it an honest shot.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's no fear for me at all in terms of that. I look even at my degree and I went to school for business and a lot of those skills that I learned, mind you, going to school is one thing, actually doing it is another thing, but there are a lot of little things I would say I picked up from going to school that I have now translated into building this business up because at the end of the day, that's what it is. It is a business and you're looking to scale that. Um, and I think there's a lot of important factors that school taught me that even though it is the music business, it is still a business. Okay. So like when you
0: mentioned that, if you don't mind me asking, like yeah. what kind of things did you take over from that? Like, cause I mean, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. It's just that oh, I find yeah. it interesting. Cause like when you find people that go in the music side of the field and they come from a different background, it's like, all right, like what did you take that Transitions into the music
1: side. Totally. Yeah. So I think a lot of it is like taking a look at where to allocate your capital. Whatever your top line revenue is, where is that being put into so that you can leverage that and continue to grow and continue to scale? Because at the end of the day, you know, it's all good and well for it to be a passion, but you still want to make money doing it as well. So being able to take a dollar and turn it into five or ten. Yeah. That's kind of my main thought process behind a lot of the stuff that I do. And maybe not splurging on certain areas that I don't think will get as much of a return or might not be the best decision from a business standpoint, if that makes sense.
0: No, 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 that's fair. Cause I think my follow-up there was like, how do you feel essentially on like saying the social media side of things? Like when you see yourself putting things on like Facebook, Instagram. Twitter, like whatever realm you have, like, do you look at that sometimes and say, is it worth it? Is it doing things for you? And like, at what point do you look at something and say, all
1: right, this didn't work. We're cutting this off. Yeah. So for me, majority of my time is actually spent on TikTok. Um, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I've got uh, literally just under 30,000 followers on TikTok. Um, so I don't post as much on Instagram. Um, But they're all kind of connected. So I've tried to do more and more on Instagram, but TikTok is really where I've been able to connect with people the most. I seem to get the most views in terms of organic reach. I'm able to go live and do things like that. So I've been able to connect with people that way. And um, I haven't even spent any money on TikTok yet. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's something I'll probably dabble in. Don't get me wrong. I think if there's (laughs) any way to increase the reach even more, but it's just been about consistency and understanding how that platform works in terms of, you just can't think of too much about what you're putting out there. You just have to put it out there. And then I think with every time you post, especially on TikTok, you're getting better and better and better and better. Cause it's not the, where you spend all this time trying to perfect it and then put it out there. It's like, you're putting it out there. And each time that you're putting stuff out there, you're getting better. Hopefully that's the goal, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I feel like mine is the other way around. It's like every time I post something, it's like, why is this guy progressively getting worse? It's like, it's like, I don't know. Ask
1: him. I think if you were to look back, you'd probably notice a a significant change. And I'm sure it's like one of those things where you start working out and you don't notice a difference. And then you look back a year of consistently working out and eating right and doing all the little things and you go, Oh shit. Like, I actually, look pretty good. I didn't even yeah. think of this because you see yourself every single day, right? So, yeah, yeah, maybe it's just one of those things.
0: Now, when you're saying on TikTok that you gain like a, an audience organically, like what kind of things do you post on TikTok? Is it like covers your own stuff or is it just more or less like, hey, this is Mike and I'm eating bread. All
1: right, cool. And people are like, I love how he eats bread. <laughs> no, I wish it was that easy. There was stuff at the beginning where I would just kind of try, as you were saying, follow the trends and something that might be trending for a day or whatever it might be. Yeah. And it just wasn't authentic to the message I was getting across and I didn't see a lot of traction with it. So I just started posting stuff that I was like interested in, in terms of like my music and stuff like that. So I I did a lot of covers and what would happen is that stuff wouldn't take off, but then you'd find there'd be other sorts of videos that might be a little bit more similar that continued to take off and like, okay, I'm going to stop wasting all my time, you know, taking, as I was saying that effort into why am I posting covers? If, they're not getting any views, or I'm not connecting with an audience, and is is it really worth it? So it would be even like little clips of new songs and stuff like that. If I had a demo, that sort of stuff. And once music's out, it's just continually finding ways to position that song in a way where there's something interesting that will hook the viewer in and allow them to engage with that. So. Honestly, maybe you're talking to the wrong guy because I don't think anybody <laughs> has it figured out, but I just try new things. And a lot of it, all of it basically revolves around music and acting and stuff like that. Who were
0: some of the people that you kind of idolized or looked up to that made you want to like pick up
1: a guitar or start singing? For me, it was I always related back to that Kenny Chesney concert because what I get out of the music side of it is I love entertaining And i like the whole idea of a live show and when i was there i've seen him a couple times now and it was just like i loved the way that he was able to work a crowd and put on a live show and so that was for me kind of looking up he was one of the first people i started listening to others were like toby keith montgomery gentry like those were the first artists i started listening to and kind of their music and their storytelling and stuff like that but I always relate it back to yeah, Kenny seeing his concert and I was just so jacked up. And I was just like, okay, like, I love this. Like he's an entertainer. And I, that's what I go for is like, okay, how can I entertain the crowd? How can I create moments And, and stuff like that? And there's been some other acts that I've seen over the years that I'm like, okay, they put on a wicked show. I love that about them. Like Florida Georgia line was one where I loved for me. It was, there's always been full circle moments with that. Like the first, obviously that concert, of course, and then I caught a hat at that concert and I never catch anything. Again, this is it's so minuscule. I still have this hat. Okay. It's like almost torn to shreds, but I always say that one day I'll be on stage with him. I'll be opening up for him and I'll wear that hat. Now, but well, yeah, a
0: new one. It's, 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 <laughs> it's good to have dreams. It's good to have those kind of memories. Like, I mean, geez, if you can have that, I, I sometimes look at like CMT music awards, or, you know, even when acts come to Canada and you'll hear like a Kara Isabella story about like Shania Twain. And then you're like, wow. Okay. And then they're both on stage. You're like, geez, like, how does that happen? Like you, you basically held on to something for years hoping it happens. And then it does. And you're like, all right, good. Makes for a good story.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Some of the music that was playing in my household growing up was like James Taylor, Simon and Garfunkel, Neil Diamond, like, that sort of stuff. So it was kind of, I think the only reason I got into country music was because I was playing hockey playing rep hockey. And that's what all the guys are listening to. It was a cool thing to do. So I was like, okay, let's give this a listen. And then I just fell in love with it.
0: I feel like, you know what? I feel like there's a part of me. That's like, you know what? I will now judge hockey players to not be as tough or just, (laughs) or just, (laughs) or be like, all right, you guys go back in that locker room and listen to some Taylor Swift. They're like, we don't listen to Taylor Swift. I'd be like, listen, I talked to Mike. Mike told me you listen to country music. And he's like, well, oh, tell Mike that I'm going to beat him up. I'd be like, yeah, I'm sure you will. It was like, no, you won't. Yeah. I always think in my mind, that's because when I played like pickup hockey and I'll probably get hated on for this, but in our locker room, we were probably just playing D. Or I was going to say Dion Phaneuf. We were probably playing like Nickelback
1: yeah. and people
0: like you were playing Nickelback. I'm like, dude, I don't care what you say about Nickelback. They had some good yeah, some bangers, songs. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Like if anything, <laughs> If it's like the only, if someone said you can only listen to Nickelback one time in your life or like for one occasion, I'd be like hockey warm ups? Are you kidding me? Like oh, we're going yeah. out tonight. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, we are now with the pandemic and COVID. Like, I feel like we're kind of branching out of that. Like I know it's still there, but I feel like there's society's point right now is like, all right, we've, we have we kept you locked up for like two years. Like we're not keeping <laughs> you locked up for another two. Just deal with it whatever way you want to. But like, how did you deal with the pandemic? Because I know musicians I feel like had a tough time in terms of no live concerts. There are people out there that will debate it of saying like they felt guilty to do Instagram Live's of being like, Hey, I'm still a musician. Can you buy my music? And it's like, wow, way to be selfish. Everyone's suffering. <laughs> and then there's other people that were like, No, man, like I think the world needs
1: music. How did how did you go through the whole pandemic? Um, See, I've always done stuff outside of music as well. Like I have business. So I admittedly, I was probably even busier during the pandemic on top of all of the music stuff that I do do. I didn't even really think about it. I was just continuing to do every single day. Truthfully, it allowed me to write a ton of music. So it was once again, a little bit of a blessing in disguise It allowed me to kind of take a step back and be like, okay, like let's learn how to write. That's I always say, turn on the faucet, let some of the brown water come out, and hopefully it gets a little bit more clear. And that's what I was able to do on the songwriting side and just continue to hone my craft and take my vocal lessons and, and do all the stuff behind the scenes that if everything was open, I don't know if I would have taken the same approach because I would have been so worried about doing all the live shows and this and that. Yeah. I, I think for me, COVID just allowed me to kind of get everything behind the scenes done that I needed to do. Kind of like clear your
0: head, put you in a better yeah. like, yeah, that's fair. I feel like, I feel like there's like a crossroads with COVID. Like, and I don't think it, it anyone who says that they were less productive during COVID or more productive, like there's no, I don't feel like people should go out <laughs> and attack them for that. I mean, geez, people had to try to keep busy or people wanted to relax, like, I'm I'm looking at it from the standpoint of Luke Combs's answer to COVID would probably be different than say Rob Nodalini's. The same mm-hmm. as Connor McDavid's answer to COVID would be different than an OHL player's, right? It's like oh, right. so I don't think you can fault people for that. Like I know there are definitely people in between though that kind of struggled to figure out like, okay, where do I go? what do you think in the pandemic was like a big takeaway for you or something that you kind of learned or without the pandemic, you probably wouldn't have thought about it as clearly. I know it's a little bit wordy, but more or less like, Hey, if this didn't happen, I, this would have changed or this, I wouldn't have looked at this the same way.
1: I don't think I would have had, and this is just me looking at the music. I don't think I would have had the same catalog of music that I do today. And I think as who I am as an artist, what I get out of it is, Writing and singing my own songs, telling my story, you know, being able to transmute that through my live performance. So COVID, I just think allowed me to really, really focus on that. I mean, I was able to play live, but I played once it was boots and hearts and that was my first live performance ever. So it was kind of one of those things where it was like, good start. (laughs) Yeah. I I always say went from zero to a hundred pretty quick, but that's what I want. That's what I want to do. I want to be on those types of stages and I want to be performing my own songs and telling my story. And that's what I get out of the music because I do have other business interests that luckily allow me to facilitate at least for started facilitating the music and then now build that up so that i can keep putting that money back into it and and continuing to grow the music brand and the music business itself so how did you find your time at like boots and hearts because i
0: i feel like to kind of relate this to like a hockey term in case there are people out there that that will relate it the same way i do it's like boots and hearts to me is almost like now i i mean this in no shape or offense to them but it's almost like this is where you're in the minors or you're just getting called up in terms of right like you're gonna have a mainstay it's almost like an ahl team is always gonna have kind of a veteran player that's been around uh they're still semi-popular like i yep. look at like Tebe for example i know this is like a horrible example because Tebe is going to be like what the fuck are you talking about i'm still cool i'm like i didn't say you weren't Tebe, uh but like that's your headliner and then you have the like the people obviously go to see Tebe, but they're there also to see like the younger talent or people on the rise and that's kind of how i feel like a boots and hearts is like there are names from boots and hearts in the prior years that i'm looking at and being like wait they were at boots and hearts and now Mm -hmm. look at them now um like i had Cause again, it's just a name on the card at like helping their career. And then years later they could headline it or be right next to the marquee. So I want to ask you in dealing with boots and hearts, like how pumped were you to get that? And what kind of things did you take away from boots and hearts that you're like applying now or even going and being like, all right, we've done this. What's next?
1: Totally. I loved every bit of the experience for me when I, it's funny that you say that, cause you've actually take a look back at who's been in the emerging artist showcase. Like yeah. the list goes on and on and on and on. You're like, Oh crap. Like <laughs> I didn't even know half these people were even in it before, but for me, it's a good starting point. Um, and I say that it, kind of like you're saying in the minors and working your way up, what you do gain is the perspective to say here, you're part of a class that, if you take a look back, a lot of people have used this and gone on to do a lot of great things. And you can do the same, but you have to realize it's gonna take time and you have to hone your craft and you have to become um, better in all facets. And I think for me, that was the biggest thing I took out of it. I was able to meet so many people in the industry, on the management side, as well as the artists himself, as well as all the session players, and get a feel for everybody. And that's what I'll continue to take with it is just, Hey, put your head down, work like hell, keep putting out a good product. And eventually, as long as you're building up a business and it's continuing to do well, well, Hey, you know what? You're going to be able to have those conversations down the road that maybe one day you are headlining that a show or you're on a, a bigger tour, whatever it might be. So it was just for me, a great experience overall to meet everybody and just see what it does really take.
0: So like when you're at these festivals, like, do you get to, obviously I'm, I'm assuming like, if, you know, people obviously through networking, you'll get to interact with them, but like the, the bigger names or the mainstay draw, like, do you ever get a chance to talk to them or like kind of throw ideas at them? Or are you more or less the type of like, Hey, I'm here, I'm just going to play my
1: role and we'll see what happens. It was all kind of a whirlwind for me. So especially like the Boots and Hearts, I didn't, I was basically drinking from the fire hose, I guess is the (laughs) best way to put it. Like my producers are both in Brett Kissel's band. uh, They're the MD and drummer and the, and the bassist, sorry. And they were playing on the Saturday night. So it was cool to go back there and then meet with them after their show and chat with them. But in terms of the weekend itself, I don't know if I thought anything, I was just kind of like, okay, here, we're going here and then we're going here and then we're going to go play and then we'll get off and then we'll have a couple beers and then we'll kind of just enjoy the show. <laughs> like yeah. that, that was kind of, I was just soaking up the experience. I wasn't thinking too much about who I was meeting. I was just trying to be friendly with everybody and, and introduce myself and, Yeah, there was a lot of great people there. Like there's uh, definitely friends I'll take with me from the other artists and stuff that were in the Emerging Artist Showcase. It was was, uh, fantastic, I guess is the best way to put it.
0: I want to ask you to kind of close it out here. Um, Do you want to have a fun game of, I call it like random questions? Sure. All right. So I have this thing generated here. It's like a random question generator. So it just spits out random stuff. So if there's something you don't like in this, don't blame me. Blame a computer, I guess. The first one it generates here, what is your biggest fear
1: in life? That's a great question. Thank uh, you. I really wish much. I
0: could take credit for it, but I can't.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> we have to give the credit to the random generator. <laughs> I, I I really think it just goes back to not taking action on something I know I should have in the past, like the whole regret thing. I think not trying something that you might not be great at in the first place, but know deep down that you have to at least try it.
0: Right, that's fair. That's good. Who is a, a singer or performer you would like to share the stage with? This one just says who's someone that you'd want to share stage with. But I feel like singer performer adds a little bit of I, to it. I think you already
1: know this. one. I'm going to have to go with Kenny.
0: Kenny. OK, so if, if Kenny would just say wasn't available and someone, uh, okay. what
1: would be your what would be your
0: backup? probably
1: florida georgia line all those guys
0: oh that's good imagine if they both came imagine if that was like a boots and heart where it's like we got kenny yeah and florida georgia line is night two and you're like oh my god which night do i want (laughs) they would be like you don't get to choose we do we choose it for you yeah all right can i do both
1: i was gonna say can i do both exactly
0: (laughs) what is your favorite sports team and why
1: uh, I hate to admit it, but it's the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they've caused me a lot of pain throughout my <laughs> lifetime. But we have hope. Hopefully, there's no heartbreak this year. But my hopes are not super, super high. I feel <laughs> but like looking okay so far. Yeah.
0: You know what? I feel like, I feel your pain. I'm a Detroit Red Wings fan first, but Toronto yeah. second. Yeah. But at the same point, it's almost like I will root for them in the playoffs, knowing that they're just gonna break your heart but oh, i feel I like this year and i and it's like a, it's like a broken record i feel like this year they can at least make it past the first round i feel like they'd have a chance at the second but if they lose in like the conference finals i would be okay with that because i'd yeah. be like you went at least farther and knowing who you probably have to face in the conference finals it's going to be a tough team like i mean there's no easy teams anymore but it's just sad that you're like toronto please can you figure out just to get past the first round? Just like, once there's no more excuses. <laughs> like every team has to play a tough team and wins. Why can't you? It's like, well, we're working on it. I'm like, I, I still can't trust you when you lose to Buffalo yeah. and Montreal and God forbid Ottawa. Like, you know, come on. Yeah. Um, actually, yeah. <laughs> besides music, what would be something that you would have maybe possibly pursued or felt like you could do well in? Uh,
1: probably in the real estate field. It's something to do with that. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, like mortgages, lending. I've always been in, like, as I said, I started out in financial planning. So kind of have that business numbers background.
0: Okay. Are you saying that we would have seen, like, commercials, like, during, like, a Toronto game where it's like, hey, this is Mike Westside. It's like, if you need this <laughs> done, I'd be, I'd be like, man, if he's going to do that ad, I want to hear some, like, you know, old Western music where it's like, wow. <laughs>
1: just a cheesy commercial yeah yeah Um, yeah but i'd I'd be like man i'd be like
0: is his name actually mike mike whiteside and they'd be like (laughs) uh yeah it is and i'd be like oh okay i was like i thought that was just a stage name for this performance but i would have liked it if you at least take took out the white side and you would have went with like mikey white uh, mikey white side and then they'd be like i i get it i get it because it goes with the country background but you know it is what it is uh the, the last one I'm going to do for the random question here is if you had to go anywhere in the world right now, where would it be?
1: Oh, um, I've never been to the UK and I've always wanted to go there. So that's probably where I go. Like that's, England, that's Ireland, a, Scotland, I think something like that. I, yeah,
0: I like that answer. That's I was going to say that my go-to would be like England. I don't know why. Like, I feel like it's just... I don't know if it's just the appeal. Sometimes you look at the, st- like the acts and stuff that come out of there and you're like, man, I just want to go to like UK once just to see yeah. the the realm of it all. Or I, I'd probably be the same person that comes back. Like, don't get it. Don't see the appeal. And they'd be like, <laughs> how did you not? I'd be like, not a big deal. Yeah. There's an Eiffel towel in Paris. What a big deal. Okay. We have Paris, Ontario. And they'd be like, not even not close. Kind of. I'd be like, leave me alone. I'm just mad. <laughs> You mentioned that you you were working on new music, or you're going to have new music out. Yeah. What can people kind of expect when they listen to Mike Whiteside? Is it just going to be like I feel like you should come out with an album called Double Side?
1: <laughs> there maybe there will be a double sided album down the road. Yeah. You never know. I uh, I think they can just expect the same sort of energy um, that I try to bring with each song, and um, you know, in terms of the production and stuff like that uh obviously very similar to what we've experienced with like My Kind of Paradise working with producers and they are phenomenal so I gotta give them a ton of credit. But a lot of the songwriting that goes into it, I'll put it this way, might be something similar, something lovey. Don't give it all away, but something along those lines. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Mike Whiteside for coming on to the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob Sang. Thank you for listening, and good night.
0: and at naturalmanpodcast.com. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence. All in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose, but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at averyrich.com.
1: Another SoundOff Media Company podcast.